All right, welcome into Ball. He is ESPN's Tom Lugabell. I'm Ryan Brown. It is presented by mybookie.ag. Code next round. What is up, Lugs? How are you today? I am fantastic. I couldn't be any better, man. I just can't believe we're already into week five. Like it's sad. It's a blink of an eye, man. I know. I know. That first month, uh, you, you know, <laughs> so you love, sad. we wait for college football to get here. And that first month flies by. And then you get to October and you're like, boy, the October games are so good. And then you get to November, and you're like, the November games are incredible, but I've only got a month of football left. I I, I, I know. I, I hate looking at it that way, but you can't help but look at it that way. No, no, and that's one of that's what makes this this regular season of this sport the best of any sport because there yeah. are so few opportunities, man. There really are, and uh, the opportunities are fleeting. Some teams already eliminated. Uh, we'll discuss those as we look back at what happened last week. The show presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round this week and this week only. 110% sign-on bonus. You make that initial deposit, get 110% bonus right there at mybookie.ag, code next round. Use it once and win. It is yours forever. You don't have to use it a million times, just one time. It is yours forever. Mybookie.ag, code next round when you sign on. Uh, you, you're going to see Clemson this weekend at Syracuse. That is Lugabill's game, the early ABC game, Clemson at Syracuse. And... It is not often that Clemson has played games where they know their shot at winning a national championship is going in September. But if we're looking at this honestly, they lost it Saturday against Florida State. They shot at a national championship. They did. And to be honest with you, they outplayed Florida State for the, they did. the vast yeah. majority of the game. And yeah, the scoop and score you know, killed them. Killed them. It just changed yep. the momentum. I mean, yep. if they were to continue driving there, and let's just say they scored a touchdown because Florida State couldn't stop them. Nope. That was – it's 31-17, right? And and Florida State couldn't run the football at all and became one-dimensional. But we talk about it so often, just a handful of plays. Sometimes it's not even a handful. And it caught up on the sideline with some – I think some coaching staff news for Clemson um, late in that game. I had some substitution issues where it looked like Wes Goodman and Dabo Sweeney were at odds with what they were trying to do, getting the right personnel in the field. And then, um, you know, so much is made about that call with Cade Klubnik on third and one and, you know, having the run pass option for it. And, you know, I look at that in two ways. Number one, from the sideline, you don't give a play with an option in it. You run the football. And then I think the other side of it is you actually have to say to your quarterback, hey, you got to have better awareness than that. I mean, even if the option, the free access is out there, uh, we just ran the ball for nine yards with this individual, just hand the ball off so we can get moving forward. And he's got to take some ownership of that, and he did post-game. So, you know, like you said, before the month of October, Clemson's out of it. Yeah. And what will they do on the road against a 4-0 Syracuse team that actually has been a, a kind of a thorn in their side? They've been a pesky group, and they're not afraid of Clemson. And what what type of mentality does Clemson have going in there? It's uh, – I don't know. Like, think about it, Brownie. This, this Clemson program – has had so few individuals involved in it that have ever experienced, you know, any type of know, failure or scrutiny yeah. or criticism. Like, what do you do? So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how they take the field on Saturday. I mean, but if we're honestly looking at the Garrett Riley hire, I, he was the hottest name in, co in college football last year. And a lot of people thought he would come in, you know, with Will Shipley at running back, mm -hmm. you know, with Cade Klubnik at quarterback, and it would just it would almost look like TCU did last year. It hasn't been that smooth. I, I don't know what letter grade you would give it, and maybe it's unfair to give it a letter grade in September, but it hasn't been what I thought it would be with Garrett Riley there. Well, no, 
neither has it been for me. And, and, you know, going into the Duke game, one of the questions I specifically asked Dabo Sweeney prior to the game was, is this a collaborative effort? Is this Clemson-based principles offensively that you've had during your tenure with new leadership and some wrinkles from Garrett Riley? Or was this an entirely new install? And this is the offense Garrett Riley's brought to Clemson. He said it was an entirely new install. But what's odd is it doesn't look like it. No, it really doesn't. They, yeah. they don't look any different than they looked a year ago or the year prior to that. And so I don't I don't know if there's a tug of war there. I don't know if Dabo was being completely truthful. Obviously, he's an offensive guy. He's the head coach. He's probably going to want to have some input. But, yeah, there hasn't been this drastic difference in approach and, and different look to the offense. It's But I, I, I will say this. Uh, there were two or three plays that changed the game, but for the most part, Clemson was the better team on Saturday, but they didn't finish the game. I mean, honestly, I, and I'm an untrained guy. You know that, Lugs. I don't know football, but if if I watched that game Saturday and you told me Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott were calling plays, I would have said, okay. You know, it, it did. It, right. It feels a lot like it. Yeah, right. Yeah, it feels a lot like it has for the last decade, honestly. Yeah, there, there's no question. I mean, they didn't look like your Dolphins, that's for sure. Your 70-point <laughs> Few Dolphins. do. Few and, do. And by the way, and by the way, I don't know what that wizard is drawing up on the whiteboard during the week, but some of the stuff they're doing offensively is just, he's changing the NFL right now. And yeah. uh, not to get off point, but it got me thinking about it because like, think about Garrett Riley and all the innovations, yeah. some of the things he and Lincoln and these guys have done and changed the landscape of college football. McDaniel's changing the landscape of the NFL. And I'm here for it. I'll, I'll watch every bit of it. You know, the funny, the funny thing about that is Tua – through two left-handed touchdowns and two right-handed touchdowns. How many quarterbacks do you ever yeah. see do that? You know, the two shovels well, were right. Last week. Yeah, he did. He did, Drake absolutely. Did yeah. versus Pitt. I mean, yeah. that's, when you know, that's when you know you're pretty good. Yeah, you got a good right. athlete there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, Lugaville will be at Clemson and Syracuse coming up early slate on ABC. Ball presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on to MyBookie.ag. Get that sign-on bonus of 110% this week and this week only. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, mybookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on. Code next round at mybookie.ag. Also, don't forget lanceslock.com. Lance gives you a lock every single day. He does a ton on the college football and NFL weekends. He's been red hot in football. You can get on board now, lanceslock.com. That is lanceslock.com. Daily, weekly, monthly, season-long packages. You sign up, you get winners. Take them to mybookie.ag, lanceslock.com. All right, let's talk about the... Uh, Aftermath of the big game there in South Bend over the weekend. Ohio State scores on the final play of the game to beat Notre Dame. A lot happened on that final play. In fact, the final two plays. Um, I guess let's start with the negative. If you're – I didn't understand Marcus Freeman's explanation. Okay, 10 guys on the field, I guess it happens, right? For it to happen twice in a row coming out of a timeout is inexcusable. But then he yeah. said, we didn't want to get a penalty. What does a penalty do there? It moves the ball half a yard. I mean, right. I, yeah, I, that, that, I'll take half a yard. I'll take half a yard to have 11 guys on the field versus 10. Uh, absolutely. And um, at that point, does it really matter? Because yeah. at least you're going to have the right pluck guy lined up in the right gap to defend against the run that they actually chose to run. Right. I, what they probably did is told their quarterback, Kyle McCord, hey, listen, get up there and count the numbers. If there's left, less to the left, Let's go inside zone to the left. If there's yeah. more to the, or less to the right, let's go. And there's this why. I mean, there's a, there's a principle in football that you never leave two consecutive gaps on man. That's impossible to do if you're playing with 10. So um, 
I, you know, I, I think the hard part for Marcus Freeman to explain away in today's game, and he knows this, and he's owned it, is that with the staffing that a program like Notre Dame has, whether it's in the booth, how many eyeballs there are, administrative guys, analysts, GAs, on the field and, and from a bird's eye view perspective up top, that's just inexcusable. It, it, it cannot happen, and it certainly can't happen in that moment and no. in the most important moment of the game. But I'll say this. That was one hell of a football game. It was, it was a fun game, yeah. Two really good physical teams, and it kind of went exactly how I thought it would because neither team had played anybody going into that matchup. But the yeah. talent between the two th- teams, I think it's, it's, it's pretty equal across the board. So it, the slugfest is kind of what I, I expected and, and really what it came down to. You look at the positive for Ohio State. They obviously get the win. Now, there were still some of their warts that showed in that game. You know, Kyle McCord is a guy that has caught a lot of criticism this year. He played better against Western Kentucky. He led the scoring yeah. drive. And a lot of people are, are saying maybe the worm has turned. I wonder how different the discussion would be if Notre Dame gets that interception, though. I mean, that interception goes right through the defender's hands. Yeah. You know, in that case, the game ends with your quarterback throwing a pick. And I just wonder if he would still be getting the same amount of praise. But guess what? Interception goes through the guy's hands. He leads the scoring drive. Are you more of a Buckeye believer coming out of that game, or is it about what you thought going in? It's it's about what I thought going in, but I would say that I am a little bit more of a believer. And it's not so much about Kyle McCord and the offense. It's really about the defense. And I say that because, you know, our broadcast crew two years ago had Ohio State, I want to say twice, I think. And at that time, they were receiving a ton of criticism for – you know, how they were playing on defense and the fact that this didn't look like an Ohio State defense. But people didn't realize at that time, JTT was a freshman. Right. Jack Sawyer was a freshman. Denzel Burke was a freshman. Tyleek Williams was a freshman. Like, they were playing all of these young, super talented guys. And then at that time, Steel Chambers was a sophomore. And Eichenberg was a sophomore. Like, you could see that once these guys grow up, they're going to be really, really good. And I think we're seeing that now. So while they received a lot of criticism in the offseason for what what type of defensive team are we going to see, I I think we're going to continue to see one that gets better and better and better because those guys have played a ton of football right now. You're right about Kyle McCord because if the ball is intercepted, we're having an entirely different narrative and a different conversation. But post that play, you could also make an argument that he ripped some throws that were like, I'll give him this. He wasn't hesitate. He didn't hesitate. He didn't let that almost massive snafu cause him to be indecisive. Um, I think that says something about him. He was able to handle the moment. He forgot the last play, moved on to the next one. Um, I think there's a lot of positives you can take away from that. I thought he had the latter part of the fourth quarter. Um, he kind of really started to grow up. They are so good at receiver, I, I and, oh. and, and that's going to help any quarterback. I look at them. Michigan has not been tested. Um, I and I don't know, frankly, when those tests will start for Michigan. It might be November before they're even tested. They get Nebraska this week, and Nebraska's down two running backs, and it's it's been a tough season for Matt Rule and Nebraska to get things started so far. Um, Penn State, I really don't know how tested they are. They've played West Virginia and Iowa. We're going to get to Iowa in just a little bit, but that is such a one dimensional Iowa team. Um, I, 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 it's hard for me to figure out. I mean, obviously Ohio state's got the best win of any of those teams by far and away. It's hard for me to compare those three teams that are going to have to play this round Robin 
in their division, which might ultimately be for a college football playoff berth, just because I haven't really seen Michigan and Penn State tested. When you watch on film and you're just looking at the personnel, do they look a lot alike? Or are those teams on equal footing, you think? I think they're all on equal footing. And Penn State's the team that we're probably not giving enough credit to for their overall talent profile. Now, there will be people out there that will say, well, that's all fine and dandy, but when is James Franklin going to go beat Michigan and Ohio State at the same yeah. in, in the same season? And this may be the opportunity because the schedule for Penn State, if you look at it, if you look at their road contests outside of really one game, it's not a hostile environment. They're not playing in places that are daunting places. Um, that gets to happen at home. They've got NFL players at just about every level. Drew Aller has played fantastic has. to this yeah. point. In fact, you know, there's guys that have an ability level and you say, wow, look at all that ability. And then you see Joe Milton or look at all that ability. And then right. you see DJ Leongalele. Drew Aller's ability is starting to match up with the productivity. And so that's a positive for Penn State. And listen, I know Penn State can't get the length of their pinky finger on offense, but that, they don't have chumps on defense. And, no, Iowa, you mean Iowa. Iowa, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they don't have a bunch of bums running around on defense. And so I know – I would turn the ball over a bunch. There were short fields for the Penn State offense. But you put up 31 points on, on Iowa, you're playing pretty good offensive football. Do you know, and I may screw this stat up, Dunaway gave it on our show the other day, that the the head coach with the longest streak of 30-plus points in a game is James Franklin right now, which is shocking because he's never been really good on offense. It's it's It has been one of the things that's plagued him a little bit. So they've been really average on offense. Yeah. But I don't think there's a – I think that was the stat. It's the team with the longest streak of scoring at least 30 in a game is currently Penn State, and that is really, really difficult to believe. What's the number? You know, I don't know, and you would immediately say, well, what about USC? But remember, they scored 24 in the Pac-12 championship last year against Utah. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a lot of teams you would throw out there, huh. but they all fall They all fall to the side. I'd have to go look, and I wish I'd written the number down when Dunaway gave it, but I was blown away because you immediately start thinking – and maybe it's just power five teams. You know, I'm again, I'm probably completely screwing this yeah. stat up. But the fact that any of those stats would include James, include James Franklin gets your attention because there are times he's been really, really average on offense, if not below yeah. average on offense. Yeah, and listen, I mean, wh whether you're playing with Trace McSorley, who's a really, really good player for them, took him to a Fiesta Bowl, um, or you're looking at um, – I mean, Sean Clifford had him in the Rose Bowl Sean, last year. Yeah, yeah, Sean Clifford had him in the Rose Bowl. But I think most people looked at him and said, man, this guy's a guy that's yeah. not going to screw it up. He's serviceable. Um, you can count on him, so on and so forth. But he hadn't had a Drew Aller, though. He hasn't had a guy that looks like he can actually play and can do physical things with talent that are really, really special. And maybe that's the difference now for James Franklin and Penn State. Yeah. I'm going to Google it, Lugs. Consecutive All games right. of 30 points. Um it is. I mean, it's crazy because I wish we, Georgia and Michigan are a lot alike. I mean, I think they're both yeah. good. I, I don't know if Georgia has as good as they've been over the last two or three years. But they're still really good. Um, I think Michigan is really good, mm -hmm. but they've just they've not played. I mean, Georgia's at least played a conference game. Michigan has played Rutgers. Georgia's at least played South Carolina, and they trailed at halftime. So you finally are like, okay, you know, 14 to three, they're down to South Carolina at the half. I, I just don't know about either one of those teams. I, I think they're both really good teams, but you just don't know till you see them get tested. 
Well, you don't in, you know, Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State are obviously all going to get tested by one another. But with Georgia, I mean, the bottom line is every time they take the field, at least during the regular season, they're going to be the superior team. Like they may not have to have their true A game or play a complete four quarters to beat somebody just because they're so talented. And the problem with that is they can look lackluster at the same time right? and still win the game. Most people can't look lackluster and win most games they play. And so if I'm, you know, if I'm a, a Georgia fan or I'm a fan of, of, um, I'm a fan of the SEC, I'm looking at Georgia taking the field every time, getting everybody's best shot, meaning that whoever they play is going to have to play their absolute best and Georgia's going to have to find a way to screw it up. They might yep. not have to be at their best. I mean, that's, that's a reality until they get to an SEC title game. All right, here it is from the Big Ten release this right. week. Penn State scored 30 points for the 11th consecutive game, so it's only 11. It's the second longest streak in program history, the longest active streak in the FBS. So it's it's everybody. It's not just Power Five. I mean, 11 is not a huge streak, but apparently it's significant because they're the only team that's done it right now. Right, yeah. But, I, I mean, again, I think it also goes to show you just how hard it is to score that many points consecutively because you're going to have a day where maybe things yeah. aren't clicking. You're going to have a day where you miss and, and you have to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns in the red area. It's not all going to be, you know, rainbows and unicorns, but that number is uh, probably pretty difficult to achieve. Yeah, I guess so. 11. And I don't see, I mean, I'm with you. Aller is, he's played really, really well. He was very efficient in that game, though we didn't put up a ton of yards. I don't know when that number is going to stop for them. I mean, it obviously will, but it's going to take a pretty good defense to hold them under 30, the way they run the ball and the way Aller could throw. Well, look at that conference right now. I mean, outside yeah. of Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, are any of them any good? I no. mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's really, really poor right now what we're seeing out of the rest of the Big Ten. It is ball. He is ESPN's Tom Lukabil. It's presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign up for MyBookie.ag. This week and this week only, get a sign-on bonus of 110%. You make a deposit, they match it 110%. At MyBookie.ag, that's when you use code next round. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. MyBookie.ag. Code next round to make sure you get that sign-on bonus. Also, Roback.com. You see me wearing the Roback right here. TNR20 at checkout. And you get 20% off your first order at Roback.com. Great quarter zips like this one. The hoodies are the softest there uh, that they make. Uh, also, uh, golf shirts right there at Roback.com. TNR20 at checkout to save 20% on your first order. Why are these coaches so mad, Lugs? It was like we got it all weekend. Ryan Day was pissed at Lou Holtz after the game. Dickert at uh, Washington State was pissed at ESPN for breaking up the Pac-12. When I, As I remember the story, Fox is the one that broke up the Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dan Lanning was pissed at Colorado. Uh, everybody, all these coaches are so angry this weekend. I know. I, I, I'll tell you, the, the <laughs> like, I loved Ryan Day's reaction because I think every, if, if there's one thing that will ruffle, ruffle the feathers of a coach when you're talking about their team is if you insinuate, insinuate in any way, shape, or form that they're soft. Yeah. You cross that line, I don't care if the guy's 86 years old or 36 years old, you're going to get a reaction out of a coach, especially when you go on the road and you get the win versus a very physical team in That's Notre right. Dame. Yeah. Um, 
you know, <laughs> everybody keeps seeming to forget that ESPN offered to buy the Pac-12. I know, <laughs> I know. It's like and revamped the whole thing. Yeah. The, the the one league the ESPN doesn't really have any involvement in is the Big Ten. That's who broke up the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I will say I will say this in re- in regards to Coach um, Corso's comments, and I don't I don't want to say that this is what he meant, but what did he say that nobody watches bowl or something That's right. like that? Yeah. yeah. Was was he referencing though the Pac-12 network? I, or was I, he referencing the two teams playing each other? I, I don't know. And Kirk Herbstreit tried to explain it, and I didn't really understand Kirk's explanation. But, yeah. I mean, everybody involved says he didn't mean what Dickert thought he meant. And you know yeah. this. Look, for what we do for a living, on that show, you know, Coach Corso's probably talking for an hour. And you're you're going to say things that come out wrong. They, you know. Oh, you, tell you, me. I know. I know. I know. You. <laughs> <laughs> You you mean them in you mean them in one context, and then once they get distributed, the context is lost. Yeah. You know that as well. Um, it it so that's going to happen, and I'm sure yeah. it's what happened with Coach Corso. I, you know, I don't you know Lee Corso. I don't think there's a mean bone in that guy's body. He loves college football. I don't I don't think he meant anything by that. No, and I will say this: it was one of the sneaky going into the weekend. Yeah, it was one of the sneaky best games on TV between two really good teams, and no coming doubt. out of the weekend. Yep. It proved to be. Yep. If it was just me throwing out a hypothetical guess, I would say you're referencing the Pac-12 network and nobody Maybe. can find it, right? Yeah. You can't yeah. find it. You won't be able to watch the game. Nobody will watch because they can't watch the game. Right. Um, I think Coach Corso, Coach, Coach Corso, there we go, knows full well uh, that those two teams are really, really good. And by the way, speaking of that, Washington State is no one to be trifled with. No. They are hey, a problem. <laughs> the Apple Cup has had some crappy games over the years. And not I, this year. Not this year. And I don't know what the future of that rivalry is. I don't know if we'll go the way of Bedlam uh, once we start yeah. separating all these teams. Uh, but, boy, this one's going to be fun because Michael Penix and Cam Ward are not just two of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12. They're two of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Like, I think Penix is the best QB in the nation right now. I would give him the Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. today. If we voted at the end of September – Michael Penix would walk home with it. To see those two play one another is going to be phenomenal. Like I said on my radio show last week, I said, I honestly believe that Michael Penix Jr. throws incompletions just because you're supposed to have a couple. I guess so. I don't know. Right? I mean, I think yeah. he's literally going, well, I can't go 27 to 27. Nobody will believe it. Let me just throw a couple into the dirt. Let me throw <laughs> one over there into the seventh, seventh I mean, row, right? Is this <laughs> – look, we never saw this – at Indiana, and I know quarterbacks can develop, but you, I mean, Kalen DeBoer must be a quarterback coaching a wizard to get this dude, out let of me, him. Dude, let me tell you, so Ryan, I'm not kidding you when I tell you this. I may have already shared this with you. Do you remember the Indiana game team? He was the offense coordinator that beat Penn State, and yes. Michael Bench, the quarterback, yeah, the, the he reaches stretch. out. Yep, yep. Yeah, the stretch, and he hits the pylon. Right. Then, and they have a really good year. I think it was like week nine or ten yep. or whatever he tears his ACL. That next year, our crew had them like three times. And I'm not kidding, Ryan, when I tell you I am not exaggerating. It was the worst player we saw at quarterback by a long shot the entire season. He could not function. I mean, he literally couldn't function. And I don't know what's brewing in Seattle. I don't know what uh, type of sorcery Kalen DeBoer has access to. But what he's done with that young man and the confidence now that is now reinstilled in him is nothing short of a miracle 
in my eyes. I wish most people could have saw what we saw because it, it, it would exacerbate what everybody's seeing now, what everybody's so impressed with at Washington. It would exponentially make it even that much more impressive. But by the way, why? So you think Dan Lanning's mad or you think Dan Lanning's having fun? Oh, I. He, he came across the halftime interview, the old, you know, I hope everybody that was watching the first three weeks is watching now. He just seemed, I don't know. I mean, he just seemed so on edge and like you're destroying Colorado. You're just, you're picking their bones right there. It was just, it was wild watching it. And then this whole, like this Hollywood production, they've released this five minute video showing all the disrespect they got from Colorado. I'm just like, man, I, this game has not mattered for 10 years when you've been in the same conference all this time. Now you're leaving conferences and it's like one of the biggest rivalries we've got in football and you're not even going to play anymore. Well, I know, I know that that five minute clip reel that Oregon just released of all of Colorado's guys chirping and yeah. this and that, I guarantee you that was happening in front of Dan Lanning, in front of coaches. They were watching, they were seeing it. It had to have lent to his pregame interview. Yeah. that they ended up then airing later on as they're shellacking Colorado. Here's what I, I think, honestly, this is a byproduct of the approach that Deion Sanders has chosen to take because it's a double-edged sword, right? You have, you have taken the college football world by storm. You have branded this program in every single foot that you walk, every single minute of the day, you are putting it out there, Right. And I think it's fair to say a lot of people are like, enough's enough. It's oversaturation, right? But that's not how they operate at Colorado. So Deion's going to do that stuff, and they're going to push it, and they're going to push it, and they're going to push it. Well, the other side of that is you're not going to make a lot of friends along the way because they're going to get tired of it. And yeah. then when they get an opportunity to play you and they've got the better team, now all of a sudden the mindset's a little bit different. There's, there's a little bit more intent there. Right, wrong, or indifferent – this is kind of what you get. I mean, I don't know if you saw on Instagram, Ryan, but like you're Colorado, you're going on the road to take on Oregon. There's not even a comparison between the two teams. It's not even close. No. And Colorado brings this massive throne. Have you seen this on social I have, media? I've seen the throne, yeah. Their their turnover. Yeah. The turnover throne. throne, yeah. They bring it on the road. Yeah, and they're lugging it around and putting it in the stadium at Oregon. Like, well, how do you think that team's going to yeah. react? Yeah. What did you think that Oregon team and those coaches were going to do when they walk into their own field and see Colorado's brought a throne and put it in the end zone? I mean, this was bound to happen. There, it was inevitable. Yeah. So let me ask you this: because you're on the field every week, I assume you're down there pregame watching the oh, teams yeah. warm up. I mean, it might not reach the level it reached in Colorado, Oregon, but there's always chirping back and forth at that situation, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I don't know if I've seen it, though, from a team and a group of players that didn't seem to quite to have, have the awareness of how outmanned they were. Right, right. right. And like... And and I get it. That's the mentality right now at Colorado, and it's the I believe, and they were they're gonna they're gonna have swagger and they're gonna have confidence. But then there's also reality. Like it, it's it's one thing to just go out there, warm up, play your game. But like that's not who they are. That's not what they are going to do. So I haven't, in many instances, been on a on a on a field where like I'll, I'll give you a prime example: the Sugar okay. Bowl last year, Kansas right. State and Alabama. 
you stepped onto that field in pregame warm-up, and it was a no contest the moment both teams came out. You looked at no, Alabama. You, 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 and you, compare, you compare sizes, and it's nowhere close, yeah. To, I mean, you're, you're looking at him going, come on, right? Right. And and But you didn't see Kansas State getting chirpy. You didn't see them, you know, jawing and this and that because they knew. Like they knew they were yeah, they were out, man. Right. They're going to go out and try to play their best game, do the best they can. But they're not dumb; they know it. There's a part of what happened Saturday is almost as if there wasn't much awareness. Um, and listen, I appreciate I appreciate the confidence, and I love what they've done to this point. But like, this is a team that cannot run the ball. They are atrocious in the offensive line and the defensive front. They can't stop the run. Their best player is injured, and the entire roster is basically being operated by four players. And we talk about it every week. Yep. And now they're playing a team with two and three deep across the board in elite quarterback play. Like this was this was going to happen to at some point. But now here's the beauty of it, Brownie. Is if you watch USC on defense, this sucker might be a game in Boulder this week. Oh, I think there'll be some scoring. Yeah. Yeah. I think there'll be some scoring. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, don't, I mean. Can they keep Shador Sanders upright? Can they keep him healthy? Because yeah. they can't run. I mean, they they cannot run the football. Right. So sooner or later, you know, something's got to break here. And but from what I saw of SC on defense, and what we've seen of SC on defense going all the way back to the beginning of last year, or really going all the way back to Lincoln Riley coach teams at Oklahoma, this is what they are. Well, you know, Nebraska is a much better defensive football team than SC. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Colorado yeah. scored on them, yeah. so that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and you know, you'll have to score to stay caught up. I, I, I will say this yet again, and this was a blowout. You know the TV business, Luganville. You worked in it for a long time. Blowouts are bad for TV ratings. I don't care what the uh, names on, one. what the names of the jersey. It was still number one, ten million viewers. It had more people watching that than two iconic brands, Ohio State and Notre Dame, going down to the final play of the game. It, it blows my mind. It is. I mean, it, it's crazy. But again, that's 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 what's been created by yeah. Coach Prime and the team and their early success. And you know, you know, like, like I said last week, two things can be true at once. You can give them a lot of credit for how they've gotten to this point, and you can still point out the fact that there are some major, major flaws with with that team. Um, and now, now we'll see how they respond. I mean, yep. that's that's the thing because again, they got to go to Utah. They got to go to Washington State. Um, I mean, Stanford and ASU, I think those, those should be wins for Colorado, which could get should them to be. five. Yep. Yeah, could get them to five. But it's going to be difficult to get oh, – got, I think they got to go to they got Oregon Arizona. State. Yeah. Uh, Arizona. But also, I think they go on the road to Oregon State, too. So, like, those, those scheduling gods didn't do them any favors. It is Ball presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round. When you sign on at MyBookie.ag this week, you get that sign-on bonus of 110%. That's just free money from our, our friends at mybookie.ag. Code next round gets you that now. That end, uh, that initial sign-on, you get 110% at mybookie.ag right there in your account. Play it right away. Win once. It is yours forever at mybookie.ag. Code next round for that. And don't forget lanceslike.com. Daily, weekly, monthly, season-long packages. He's been tearing it up in football. You can get on board right now. Get those picks that win. Take them to mybookie.ag. That's lanceslock.com. All right, the Devil's Workshop this week is in Durham, North Carolina. We talked some about Notre Dame. 
They now go on the road to this surprising Duke team. You've been there. You've seen Mike Elko's Duke team. They're about a five-and-a-half-point uh, underdog at mybookie.ag. You know, there's this old uh, coach's cliche, you can't let somebody beat you twice. Right. And the way they lost that game against Ohio State, I think there's fear of that happening for Notre Dame this week at Duke. Well, I think it will we'll be able to get a, a real sense of the maturity of Notre Dame's football team. And and I'll, I'll say this, let's not forget Sam Hartman played against this, this Duke team. Yeah. He's going to be able to give a firsthand account of, guys, here's what we're in on. Don't, don't, this is not a team to be trifled with. I think that helps in Notre Dame's corner. Um, you just, you go on the road. I was shocked at how loud it was. I'm not kidding. For the that size dude. of that stadium. Yes. yes. For the size of that stadium, I was stunned. Um, it will probably be even, even louder with more people. Uh, standing around the top in the upper concourse where they don't have seating, but they have standing room only. Um, the thing with Duke is they're so much better on defense than people give them credit for, especially up front. Like you'd think Duke doesn't have guys in the defensive front. Well, yeah, they do. And they got several of them. They did a really good job in the transfer portal. Mike Elko uh, really got some length at corner. Brought him over uh, from Texas A&M, and they've got a lot of veterans. Like you take, like this is my my, my play sheet for Clemson and and uh, and Syracuse coming up. And you know, I always try because you know we're in this world of college football where you know everybody's playing with a freshman or a true sophomore or a redshirt sophomore, this and that. You look at this sheet for Duke, and yep. it's yep R S R yep R J R, meaning redshirt senior, redshirt junior, and then a bunch of GRs, graduates. Yep. This is an old, experienced Duke yep. team that has played a ton. They've experienced failure. They've tasted success. And now they're hungry for some more of it. So Duke will be ready. And I think like the Duke-Clemson game, uh, Notre Dame's going to have to come in. And if they make mistakes like Clemson did, they'll lose. You know, it's it's a little bit like, and this sounds like an insult to Duke, and I don't mean it this way, but it's a little bit like in basketball, you'll get that mid-major team that has a really good player, which is what Riley Leonard is. Mm -hmm. And then they got four guys around him that are all seniors. And they've played 400 basketball games together. And they're good because of that. Uh, Duke's got some talented guys. They got a really good quarterback in Riley Leonard. and Three receivers. But to to your point, they just got a bunch of experience around him. Guys that have seen a lot. Not a lot's going to catch them by surprise. They know where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. They're coachable. I mean, it's it's the... It's the ingredients you would want in any football team, but you, to your point, you almost never get any more in college football. You know, Jim Harbaugh said to me one time when he was at Stanford and we were kind of talking about like the in recruiting with the parameters that you have if you're at a Northwestern or a Stanford or a Duke or a Wake or Bandy, what have you. And I was like, you know, what's how have you done this? What's been the, the recipe for success? And he, the answer he gave me was, I think, really interesting. He said, there are lots of guys out there that want to be an engineer or a heart surgeon, or they, they, they want to be a, a, a CP, uh, a CFO of a company, and they like football. Okay, yeah. great. And they look at football, and they say, football, because of scholarship, can get me to that level. He goes, what we've tried to really do is find the guy that wants to be the architect or the heart surgeon that cannot live without playing football. Right. Like football is so important to that person that one day when it ends, that person's going to go into a deep, dark depression. And it made such sense to me because 
That really is the difference. When you have those smart guy teams, their aspirations and their outlook is 40, it's a 40 year vision. And that's not necessarily the case everywhere. Yeah. How do you find that guy that takes football so seriously that if you took it away from them, they'd be crushed? And I think that's what Duke has. I think that's what Mike Elko has. Yeah. It's a fascinating game, Duke and Notre Dame. It is primetime ABC, and game day is there. First time ever, I think, at Duke. Uh, First time day. ever, yeah. Yeah. And it's so, cool, by the way, like the Duke student section, they had their these like headbands. Right. And they had blue horns sticking out of their head. Yeah. But they light up. They're, yeah. So they all dress in black. So when you look at it from the television perspective, the high camera on the sideline, it just looks like a bunch of blue Christmas lights everywhere, and it's all the students' head headband. It's it's really cool. Yeah. Are you? Uh, are you, do you do a conference call with Holly Rowe this week to uh, tell her how to manage the field rush? They're like, look, Holly, I've been there. Let let me tell you how to get. Let me tell you how to get to the winning coach in the event that uh, that Duke wins this thing because your video went viral on how you did. Yeah. Well. She's been doing this a lot longer than I have, and she's been down there as a reporter, and I generally haven't been, but that is a part of my duty, so I've learned that along the way. She's probably done it a heck of a lot more than I have. She probably has a lot more help getting to the to the uh, handshake than, than, than I would have week in and week out. But I will say this, if I were to give a bit of advice, where I made the mistake was, you know, you assume when that happens, I think I shared this with you off the Clemson game, you assume that there's going to be a Gatorade bath. There's right. going to be hugs with the players. There's going to right. be handshakes with assistant coaches. And so you're going to come off that, that sideline kind of slowly and then trot out to the handshake. Freaking Mike Elko takes off. Sprinted. So, he sprinted, yeah. Yeah, so I take this horrible angle. And once I realized I had to get my head on a swivel over there, so that's what I would tell her. I was like, don't anticipate him having any celebratory process near the sideline. Anticipate him going right to that coach and then meet him halfway. You still gonna have to get through everybody, but uh, she'll do just fine. Oh, so good. All right, uh, mybookie.ag brings you ball each week. Uh, code next round at mybookie.ag to get that sign-on bonus of one hundred ten percent. Your uh, initial sign-on deposit, they're gonna match it one hundred ten percent with that bonus at mybookie.ag. Just free money from them when you use code next round at mybookie.ag. All right, worst unit. Iowa's offense or USC's defense? They were both on full display. Saturday night, Iowa's offense produced four first downs on primetime NBC for the whole world to see against Penn State. Four first downs for Iowa's offense, under 100 yards of total offense for Brian Ferentz. And USC's defense couldn't stop Drew Pine and Arizona State. Those units are suspect at best, or actually they're beyond suspect, and both of them showed up Saturday night. Yeah, and, I, and I'll tell you, against the Arizona State defense, too, and in my comments about Colorado's overall depth and being one of the worst, Arizona State's up there. They're one yeah. of the worst, too. And for them to do that to SC's defense is mind-boggling to me. Um, it really is. It, it is, but I do know that SC has better athletes than Iowa does. Yeah. Athletes. I agree. So I, agree. I would yeah. say Iowa's offense is, is worse than SC's defense. Now, we could sit here and compare statistically, like where would the total offense be and where would the total defense be between the both teams? But I know athletically, when I look at, at, at SC, I may see poor play, but I don't see slow players. I don't see guys that look like they may not belong. 
when you watch Iowa on offense, you're trying to find somebody that you say, all right, when they break the huddle, I'm scared of that. Fear, yeah, I fear of this guy, right? Yeah. And they yeah. just don't have it. Well, and it's, which almost makes Southern Cal more puzzling, right? Because Iowa, <laughs> I at least know with Iowa, you're right. They got no, they got no uh, players. And the offensive coordinator is the son of the head coach who refuses to fire him. So it's like, I know they're bad, but at least I know why they're bad. When I look yeah. at USC, I'm like, I don't get Lincoln Riley has been this really good offensive head coach for the better part of a decade now. And he's either stopped and said this and done nothing about it, or he's never stopped and said, why do I not commit more to defense? And it is so puzzling to me, Lukes. Yeah. It has probably prevented him from winning a national championship and will continue to do so until he commits to it more. Well, not only that, it's prevented him from winning a semifinal game. Yeah, and, a semifinal game like, even, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the writing is on the wall. And we're not saying that you got to be Georgia on defense. No, just be but better than average. But if you offense, if you're competent, yeah. if you you know can get some stops on third down, make a couple of plays here and there, because remember, we said this going back to the summer. There aren't going to be plus 22 in turnover margin this year like no. they were a year ago. So it's no. going to make things worse because yeah. it's going to be even more over-magnified and so, I, yeah, I don't see – there's a blind spot there. There's no doubt. I think Lincoln Riley's the best – he and Steve Sarkeesian are the best play college in college football. I agree. And, um, and it's effortless. It's easy for him. He does a great job with the quarterbacks. They've got tremendous personnel on the offensive side of the football. But just imagine, just imagine if you went out and you got the equivalent of a Zachariah Branch in a corner. Right. You got the you, – you know, you, you got the equivalent of – of an elite level player in Caleb Williams, and he's at defensive end for you on defense. Like a handful, give me 10, like 10 that are in your rotational two and three deep. And they just, I don't, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to be in, there doesn't seem to be any point of emphasis. I can't imagine Drew Pine having done that to me and then scanning the rest of that conference and knowing I've still got to face Michael Penix and Cam Ward and Bo Nix. And Shador Sanders this week. I mean, I look at all those Dude. quarterbacks in that conference, and I know I got a good one. Yeah. Yeah. But my defense is going to have to face some of those other ones. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be a shootout every single week for them now. Yeah, it, it really is. And then you know, obviously, they're going to run into a bit of a defensive buzzsaw when they got to play a team like Utah. That's right. It's really, really good. Yep. Um, Oregon State to some degree. Um, Washington, Oregon, all of them. And you know, this week on the road, like. Could they score 60 on Colorado? Absolutely yeah. they could. Yeah. Could Colorado score 50 on them? Yep. Probably Absolutely so. They could. Yeah. So, like we've talked about for the last three to four weeks, these one-possession games that are going to start occurring every single week in that conference, we saw it with Washington State and Oregon State, right? Um, one-possession game with Utah. It wasn't high scoring, but it was, it was Utah and UCLA. UCLA goes in there with a the freshman quarterback. So, when we start seeing these teams, if Cam Rising gets back for Utah, look out for them. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how this conference shakes itself out. Cause I just, it's hard for me to fathom that somebody could go through that conference and come out unscathed. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I'm, I'm not certain anybody gets out of there with more, less than two losses, even. I mean, I, that, that could very well be the case. And that yeah. team could be really, really good, like really good. Right. And have two losses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your nightmare scenario for them is going to be you get a team that skates through maybe with a loss and they're right in the college football playoff picture. And then they're going to have to play an amazing team in the championship game yep. and lose. And everybody's got two losses. And the weird thing is, 
as the Pac-12 goes out of the picture here, they're going to have their best year ever, and they're probably going to be too good for their own good. I mean, it's like they can't even get being good right in the Pac-12. It's a horrible script, right? It's the worst script. It's the worst possible thing that could have come out of this summer is what's happening on the field right now. It's wild. All right, thank you to our sponsors for ball, mybookie.ag, code next round to get that sign-up bonus of 110% right now this week only when you use code next round at mybookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, mybookie.ag. A great pairing with them is going and getting all the plays every single day from lanceslock.com. Single day packages available, uh, weekly, monthly, full season packages. He's uh, been tearing it up in the NFL and college football. Get those winners at lanceslock.com. Pair them up there at mybookie.ag and make some money this uh, this football season. And don't forget TNR20, TNR20 at roback.com to save 20% off your initial order. All right, enjoy uh, what used to be the Carrier Dome there in Syracuse. Luke, we'll see you next time. Will do, man. Have a great week. Thank you, brother.